If your children are in here watching that, you might have a little bit of explaining to do later. Uh, good morning. My name is Erin. I am the women's pastor here at Abundant Life Church. It is so good to see so many of your smiling faces here this morning. Hello also to those of you watching online or listening to the podcast. So glad you have joined us this Mother's Day. There have been seasons in my life where this was a hard day. Uh, but today, it's one where I am celebrating. One, because I get to be up here, and I consider it a huge honor and privilege. Two, because my mom's here, right over there. Uh, I can't tell you the last time as an adult that I got to spend this day with my mom. And so it is incredibly special to me that she is here. Uh, third, I have little people of my own that call me mom and will do their best, I'm sure, to celebrate me later, hopefully by letting me take a nap. Feels like a good time to introduce you to my family. So I brought a picture. There is my husband, Travis. We have been together for 17 years, married for 12. So if you're trying to do the math, we were like five when we got together. Just kidding. I was 15, got married at 20, so now you can accurately do your math. Uh, but I am so grateful, truly, that I made such an incredible choice in a life partner as a young person. He's holding our youngest there, William. He's two and a half. Anyone have a two-year-old or no, a two-year-old? Okay. So you know there are many words that I could use to describe this child. Today, I'm choosing the words curious and a problem solver. Like when he solved the problem of climbing out of his crib, lowest setting, didn't matter, as an 18-month-old, quietly making his way to the hallway, scaling every shelf to the very top where the iron was, successfully got the iron down and plugged it into the wall on the highest setting, steaming on the carpet. Did he burn his hand? Yes, he did. Did he burn our house down? No, he did not, and that really felt like a win. We are gonna harness these powers for good. He is truly a loving, precious boy, and we are so delighted to have him in our family. Moving on to Benjamin, who I am holding in this photo. He is three and a half. He is the most lovey boy you will ever meet. No such thing as too many hugs and kisses in his world. In fact, if it's past 6 a.m., I let him crawl in and snuggle me, which means both hands cupping my cheeks and like looking at me point blank. It's, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, his little breath, it's, it's a lot. And I'm an external processor, shocker, and I look at him and I just say, who are you like, son? Are you more like me or are you more like daddy? I just cannot figure you out. And I see the little wheels spinning. He looks at me and he decides, Mom, I think I like Daddy better. <laughs> I said, that's not the question that I asked you, son. And then he says, I do love you though, which the though really makes it feel like a consolation prize. I know he loves me. Uh, moving on to Charlotte, she will be seven next year and she truly was the answer to so many of our prayers. She is strong, strong-willed confident uh, and has a beautiful heart to do what's right. So as I was explaining this story, retelling it to my husband, Travis, which hindsight, he didn't need more bragging rights for being the favorite, but whatever. She heard and said, mommy, I love you and daddy equally. <laughs> I said, thank you, honey. And then she says, daddy, I just, I love him because he gets me. He always knows what to say. He just, he's my hero. 
So that's great, Char. He should be your hero. I love hearing that. Then she says, and I love you because, well, you birthed me. <laughs> Which we all know is quite heroic, but it felt like less coming out of her little lips. She truly is an absolute joy. They all are, and I share these stories only because it's Mother's Day, so I felt like I could, and also because sometimes mothering is just really hard and kind of a thankless role. So to all of you moms in the room, watching or listening online, thank you. Thank you for what you do. To women who sacrificially give of themselves and love like mothers, happy Mother's Day to you. Okay, I better start preaching. Get out your Bibles if you brought them. We are not in any series. We just closed one out and Pastor Jeremy will be beginning one next week. But today we are going to be in James chapter one. So whether you brought your physical Bible or have an app online uh, on your phone, get that out. I titled this sermon Willing Sand and it likely won't make sense until the end. Um, but what I really felt God pressing on my heart is that today, this morning, I am meant to encourage you. And I believe we serve a God who is big and who knows us intimately and personally, and I don't even know what I'm encouraging you to do. I just know that he has gone before me to prepare a way and that uh, some of you might have an idea of what he may be calling you into, and I wanna encourage you in that. Before we jump in, I do want to go over briefly the, content, the context and author of the book of James. If you're with us at Easter, Pastor Jeremy talked about how James is the half-brother of Jesus, uh, which I love meeting people's siblings. I feel like it provides so much context for who a person is. And sometimes if you've ever met someone's sibling, there's like this, oh, moment of so many things making sense. I feel that way when I'm reading James. And you know, there might be that sibling who is always the parent pleaser or, and it's annoying, but like probably not with Jesus because he was actually perfect. So like he actually wanted to help you clean your room, probably as a sibling, and there wasn't an ulterior motive um, because he was just really loving and good. So it fascinates me. Um, Pastor Jeremy also at Easter brought up how he asked the question at Easter about James and what would your sibling have to do to convince you that they were God, <laughs> which I love my siblings, but a lot, and also they would just have to be God. Um, so I believe that while James may have started out a skeptic, after seeing his brother, seeing Jesus crucified on the cross, and then his, resurrect, his resurrected body, again, I believe is what made James just jump all in. He was a huge influencer in the early church and ultimately dies for his faith. Um, so let's jump in. We're going to be starting at verse 22 and going all the way to 27. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We are going to dissect this uh, passage in scripture beginning in verse 22 to 24. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then it talks about that mirror analogy, which my mind when I'm reading scripture always goes to asking all sorts of questions. Like you could get maybe that vibe from the questions I have about James as his sibling. I, even the mirror, I'm like, what were their mirrors like? Doubt they were like the big polished beveled edge mirrors that we have today, but I do believe they use them for the same purpose. Most of us are looking at a mirror first thing in the morning as we're brushing our teeth and we're kind of taking this assessment, right? How can I improve what I'm looking at? For women, a lot of times we know we better not skip the step of putting on mascara or else we will inevitably receive the comments later. Tough night. (laughs) Are you not feeling well? It's like, no, I feel great. I didn't put on my mascara. Or men, I imagine it's very helpful as you're getting that clean shave, taking the blades to your face. It's nice to get close to a mirror, right? No, right. Okay, the Pacific Northwest. As you're trimming your beard, it's nice to make sure that it's even. The point is, we see a reflection. We improve even immediately on what we see. And then we don't need it anymore. We go about the rest of our day out of sight, out of mind, already used it for what it was meant for, and we move on. Do you approach reading scripture like that? Do you approach prayer like that? How about a weekend service? If I'm being really honest, I do. I mean, sometimes I don't, and sometimes I do. Even coming and hearing this heartfelt, whoa, the Spirit of God is speaking to me. I can go out and get in my car and be like, what's for lunch? out of sight, out of mind. What if we asked questions as we were reading scriptures, sat in silence? Pastor Jeremy talked about an awesome listening prayer exercise that we can do to quiet our minds. Are we meditating on scripture, prayer, wisdom from a sermon, and allowing it to deeply take root and change and transform our lives more than just in the immediate? We need our Jesus encounters, the listening part of what James is talking about, to permeate every area of our life. Let's move on to verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What does James mean by the word? When James says, listen to the word, he is referring to the living Jesus, the living word of God, who is Jesus himself, the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And what does James mean by the perfect law that gives freedom? Especially to the Jewish people of his day, these words law and freedom would have been contradictory. Old covenant meant memorizing and practicing tedious religious rituals to atone for one's sin. James intentionally and beautifully puts these words together so as to redefine both. The perfect law looks like Jesus crucified on a cross, pouring out his grace for you and me. The perfect law looks like a resurrected Jesus conquering the grave and conquering death and sin in our own lives when we receive him. 
This is the new covenant. This is the perfect law. And in it, there is incredible freedom from the bondage of sin that can be held on our life. So I created a formula according to verse 25. Listening to the perfect law that gives freedom and not doing equals self-deception. Now, I just want to pause. It doesn't equal not that good of a Christian or maybe going to lose your salvation. No, it's self-deception. And I think James chooses these words very intentionally. The second part of that equation is listening to the perfect law that gives freedom plus doing equals blessing. And again, I want to pause and say what it's not equaling. Earning your salvation. Bragging rights at Bible study. No, it, the doing, when we add doing to the listening, it equals blessing in our life. See, listening without doing deceives you into believing that your biblical knowledge and understanding on its own is enough to be walking in the fullness of all God desires for your life. And what easier way can the enemy meddle than in deceiving us to believe that living a neat and tidy Christian life, void of discomfort and action, is all that God has for us? I like neat and tidy. I love comfort and security. The doing part of that equation also sometimes adds mess, messiness. Author Francis Chan in his book Forgotten God says it this way, it is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. Whew, that's convicting. When we don't add action and doing to our faith, we are the ones that miss out on abundant blessing from God. Verse 26 Continuing on, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. There's a lot of damage that we can do with our words. And it's again interesting how James brings deception in here. Uh, sometimes I think if we convince ourselves it's about cursing, you know, like if I don't say that four-letter word, check, I'm, I'm, compli I'm in compliance with this verse. But I think it goes so much farther than that. What about gossip? What about slander? Crude or demeaning humor? Dishonesty? My mind also goes to social media posts where Christians just tear each other apart. What is the world thinking when they see the ways that Christians are using our words with one another publicly. Ephesians 4.29 says it this way, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are we speaking truth? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking love? James is asking us to be very intentional with our words because they hold power. We're landing this plane, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Jesus identified with and cared for the needy, the marginalized, and the oppressed 
people of his day. There's a really long list of marginalized, needy, and oppressed people today. My question for you simply is, where is your heart triggered? How can you help? And if you don't know today, that's all right. You can start with a really simple step, prayer. See, we can go to scripture, and we can also go to the living God who is accessible to you and to me. And he reveals new things constantly to us. Will we lean in and pray and ask? And if you're thinking about asking, be prepared for him to show you. Another simple step is love. It's not quite, uh, it's a practical step. Certainly not as easy. You can pray by yourself. Love requires sacrifice with others. And I don't believe it's the current climate, um, but my dream is that someone could see, someone outside these walls could see someone so sacrificially laying down their life for someone else, so freely giving and with a joyful heart, not some fabricated, and this is for Jesus, but I mean, genuine outpouring of love toward others to where it doesn't even make sense. And that would be the clue. That person must follow Jesus. That is my hope and dream. John 13, 35 says it this way, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. May we be marked by love. I love that our mission statement is giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others because it's a practical and hard way that we can all engage in loving well. So since what I originally set out to do was encourage you to say yes to the thing God may be calling you to do, I thought it would be appropriate to share a story in my own life where this has manifested. God stirred in my heart and in my husband's heart five years ago, and as a result, my blessing looks like a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of dirty diapers. Don't be confused. This is not a message about prosperity gospel, and you will have all good things. No, our blessing is hard a lot of days. See, God stirred in my heart and my husband's heart five years ago, and here we are today in the process, I have a picture, of adopting our foster son, William. The iron boy, <laughs> yeah, he's the one. See, for a long time, uh, foster parenting was this big scary thing out there. And now, five years later from my original stirring, foster care, foster children, the foster crisis, I think about my son. And I think about the blessing that has been poured out on my life because I said yes to a small step. What was a small step? I need to give you some background. So as I uh, mentioned, this has been a hard day for me in past years. My husband and I have struggled with years of infertility and miscarriage, one of which was in the second trimester, and um, it wrecked us. If that is you today, I just wanna say I'm so sorry that that is part of your journey. And I pray that you feel met and encouraged by a God who loves you and can make beautiful things out of broken things. And I'm not just talking to you women because I saw the way that it wrecked my husband 
And so to you men and women who have journeyed this, I'm sorry. Maybe you're not here and you're watching online or listening to a podcast because you didn't want to get out of bed today. I've been there and I'm sorry. God sees you and he loves you and he cares and he will make beautiful things out of brokenness. And he did in my life. I remember in this broken season crying out to God, why? This is confusing. I know I'm supposed to be a mother. I knew it. I, I knew it. And in my prayer, I felt peace wash over me. And it was like this, I will be a mom. And it was the first time that I didn't know how it was going to happen. And it was okay. We got pregnant with Charlotte. And I don't want to move past that um, too quickly, but I, I do need to get, keep moving. Please hear me when I say she was the answer to so many prayers and an absolute joy. Knowing that it took us a long time, we immediately started trying again. And again, we had struggles with infertility. In that same time, foster parenting flyers would come to my house. I saw a billboard, heard it on the radio, read it in a news article, hoteling kids, kids entering the system in record numbers. And I felt this pit in my stomach. You know, I already have Charlotte. We're trying to have more. We have space. So I start thinking, would I ever be a foster parent? Foster parent. I, I didn't know a foster kid growing up. Adoption was not always on my radar. It was like some people always knew that they would adopt, not me. But I go to Travis and I say, hey, babe, do you think that you could love or that we could take in a kid that was not biologically ours? And he's like, yeah, definitely I do. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, but like, should we like pray, pray about it? <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, well, let, let's do it or let's pray about it. He's like, let's pray about it and do it. I'm like, well, okay, let's start with prayer. And we did, and we prayed, and I could not shake it. It's like every sermon I went to was speaking to me about opening my home to a child. I mean, when the sermon wasn't even about that, I just felt it deep in my heart. And so we pursued foster parenting classes. We made it all the way through our classes, uh, not quite our finished, we did, had not quite finished our certification yet, but we finished our classes when we learned we were pregnant with Benjamin and had Benjamin. And I was so confused. So again, in prayer, so much of my prayer life is confused. <laughs> Maybe yours is too. I'm like, Lord, okay, so I'm trying to figure this out. I know you were asking us to pursue this. This timing isn't great because now I'm pregnant, which I'm so thankful for. Thank you so much. But also, like, did you just want to know that my heart would be willing? How's this going to play out? So we had our son, Benjamin, and on his first birthday, your foster classes expire after two years, and we were about at that halfway point. So I bring up to Travis our, casually, our classes are going to expire. We're adjusting to life with two. Are you like, he's like, oh, when do they expire? I'm like, well, about a year. He's like, we got to reach out to Lori. I'm like, Lori's our DHS caseworker. I'm like, okay, let's pray about it. I love prayer. And also sometimes I stay there longer because it's safer and comfortable. And God can be telling me the same answer through my prayers and I just want to just stay there. So I love Travis and that he pushes me in this. I reached out to her. We were certified. And in February, February 2nd of 2017, we drove home with a newborn infant. This is a picture of what that was like. I hadn't thought of things like, oh, I don't get a maternity leave. 
but I'm feeding a newborn through the night. This is hard. This picture, I remember being so tired, and still I have just tired days, but it stirs in me a remembrance of a special feeling and sensing and nearness of God. The blessing that God has poured out on my life because of this child, because of William, and because of our willingness to take some steps. I could never describe to you the impact on myself and our entire family. See, God didn't just ask us out of the blue one day, five years ago, to adopt a child. He asked us to be willing to take some steps, and we did. As a church, we are committed to caring for vulnerable and displaced people. It's no, heart, no surprise that my heart is stirred by the foster crisis and uh, caring for the needs of foster children. If yours is too, awesome. The announcements mentioned the coffee house here at the Happy Valley campus. Come, hear from other foster par parents. Uh, Google the DHS phone number. <laughs> That's what I did. Um, but maybe your heart's triggered by something completely different. At-risk girls in our community girls who are being trafficked around the world, families and children living in poverty, the homeless population, caring for the needs of the elderly. Maybe he's stirring you on a heart issue. Is it time to go home to your spouse? Is it time to reach out to a counselor so that you have a neutral third-party person to sit in on your fights and help give you some tools? Do you need to get a hold on your anger? Take a step toward managing that. What about an addiction? Is there a step that you can take in managing an addiction that you have in your life? Is it time to open your eyes to some brokenness in you or some brokenness in the world where you have been closing your eyes because it's easier and feels safer? Abundant Life Church partners with several organizations uh, in all the things I just mentioned, we would love to connect you with resources if you know you want to take a next step but don't know what that next step is. We have a pastor over outreach named Jeff Boxel. If you write on a connection card or go out to starting point, we want to create opportunities for every person to be able to take a step. Maybe you've been a long-term churchgoer or maybe you're new and you don't even know what you think about Jesus yet. That's okay. There's a place for you here and a seat at this table, and I believe the best way to learn and know the heart of God is to follow him and see how your life changes. Maybe your step this morning is clear and calls for action, or maybe it's unclear and it calls for prayer. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What is the Lord of the harvest asking you to engage in today? And will you choose listening plus doing? I was at the coast with my sister Tracy when I was preparing this message a couple months ago, and I was not there with her by accident. I very intentionally reached out to her and asked that she join me because in addition to being my biological sister, she's actually a spiritual sister to me and mentor in my life. And uh, the ways that I am changed because I grew up with her, I could not begin to tell you. Also, we're really different. <laughs> so imagine me inside 
with my hoodie and a blanket at my laptop looking out at the beauty of the ocean. What I was looking at also was Tracy, barefoot, in the sand, crouched over, running the sand through her hands, and I just thought, what is she doing? Love you so much, she's over there. And we are so different, and what a beautiful thing that is. And it, it piqued a curiosity, what is she, and then she'd go to her book and write. What is she writing? She came in, asked, she said she'd be, been praying, asked what I had come up with or what God was putting on my heart, and I told her, you know, this in a gist, this in a nutshell. And she said, that is amazing confirmation for what I was just reading, what I just wrote. And she read it to me, and I knew immediately I was to read it to you today. So these words are her words, um, but I hope that you feel that they are a gift to you. And get comfortable. I mean, open your eyes, close your eyes, whatever's going to help you just take in the beauty of what she is saying. I step down into the damp morning sand and reach my fingers into the smooth, cool pieces. Amber and pepper and diamond flecks fall through and rest gently in the lifelines of my palm. And it occurs to me to remember that these innumerable parts were each once part of something more monumental and imposing. One journeyed from the base of a sea-anchored boulder, while another sheltered a crustacean and still another sustained life within the structure of a reef. These transformed fragments are evidences of years of enduring, adventuring, and supporting, each with a unique story to tell. Each varied pilgrimage has brought them here. Their expeditions become tangible in their refinement. When we release self-preservation and engage in living and loving, we willingly become less so that we can give more. We allow life to crush us into soft, therapeutic sand with a story to tell the rocks of the next generation. It is the cry of my heart that I would be willing sand, that God would erode the pride and self-serving edges of my being so that at the end of my life, though weary and worn, my heart will have been refined into willing humble sand with the perseverance to love well until I am restored to fortified rock in the presence of my Savior. There is pain in the erosion and beauty in the surrender. Oh Lord, make me willing sand. I wrote this message two months ago, not knowing that I would so desperately need it this week. See, on Thursday, of last week, we received a call from our caseworker that a three-year-old infant was detoxing in the NICU and was going to be discharged the next day without a place to go. And if I'm honest, the first thing that I thought is, this isn't a great week for me, I'm preaching. And I need sleep, and I've done the newborn thing a few times now, and I know that it means no sleep. And then I remembered what I'd be preaching. <laughs> We picked up this precious little girl on Friday from the NICU. She's been in our care. Don't know if it'll be a week, a month, a year, forever. Uh, we are rooting for her family to um, have her back. The purpose of foster parenting is reunification with biological family. I cannot even begin to describe to you the blessing that has been poured out on my life this week. As I've been parenting the other kids, three to four, that's different and hard. 
Two to three was hard. It's just so many children. I'm counting them everywhere, that, everywhere we go. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that today my step is to love this child. And we have said yes, and we have once again experienced blessing and abundance poured out on us. On Thursday, I preached with four hours of sleep. And you know what? I felt energized. That is the work of a good father. When we earnestly pursue the will of God, there will always be a next step. And when we are willing to take that next step, God's blessing pours out and we become willing sand with a truly remarkable story to tell the rocks of the next generation. The band is going to come up and we're going to have a response song, a time of worship where I just encourage you to be all in in this moment. When we get to the chorus, if you don't feel comfortable, don't do it, but Sometimes I feel like a physical posture can say a lot about our hearts. And so if when we get there to the chorus, you feel so inclined to raise your hand as a sign of, I will. I will go. I will do it. I will take that step. No one's going to follow up with you after. I mean, unless you put it on a connection card and then we will absolutely follow up. But if you will just posture your heart and even your hand toward heaven, God Help me, I will do it. I just want to encourage you in that. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Let's pray. God, it is an honor and a privilege to serve you. Help us to do it well. God, it's hard, and it's uncomfortable, and for anyone with a pit in their stomach, like, I don't want to do it. I could relate, and I was there. And when people hear that we're foster parents, the number one thing we hear is, you're amazing. No, I'm not, Lord. I'm unworthy. But my weakness is made strong in you. Help us, Father to do your will, show us, stir in us, and may we have the courage to boldly step out with our one life you have given us. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.